ಸರ್ವಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೇವಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣಂ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಸೊ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ಎಂಟರ್ ದ ಸೆಕ್ಷನ್ ವೇರ್ ಶ್ರೀ find that sri krishna has started preaching the bhagavad gita is the 11th mantra of the second chapter let us read the mantra and we will just enter into the discussion sri bhagavan uvacha ashochyan anvashochastvam pragyavadangscha bhashase ಗತಾಸೂನ ಗತಾಸುಂಶ್ಚ ನಾನು ಶೋಚಂತಿ ಪಂಡಿತ ಸೊ ವಟ್ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಸೇಟ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಸುಪ್ರೀಂ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೇಟ್ ಸೊ ದೋ ಯು ಆರ್ ಸ್ಪೀಕಿಂಗ್ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ವಿಸ್ಡಮ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಮೋರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಫಾರ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ವಿಚ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ವರ್ದಿ ಆಫ್ ಗ್ರಿಫ್ ಸೊ ನಾವು ವಿ ವಿಲ್ ಫೈಂಡ್ ದಟ್ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಅಟ್ ದ ವೆರಿ ಬಿಗಿನಿಂಗ್ at the very inception of his preaching he is as if opening up a new portal in the front of arjuna arjuna was as if like all of us in a maze in the maze of the family in the maze of life in the we are our journey is as if in a maze and now and then we find we have reached the blind alley there is no way to go there is no solution and that's what we were indicating in the last class as inescapable trauma with all our skills with all our virtues we find that as if the world has stopped for me and that's the time there's a blessed moment if the portal of our spiritual dimension opens up is that intense longing for an escape from that inescapable situation that gives the intensity of purpose to really strive for something which is beyond this physical dimension that intensity is very important in spiritual life two things are very important one is repetition in all the spiritual traditions you find that as per our faith is concerned as per our belief is concerned as per the doctrines and dogmas are concerned the ideal which we believe in is concerned there are lot of variations when we say that all the religions lead to the same goal you may say how come my idea of heaven is different from yours yours 
my idea of the spiritual incarnation is different from yours there are, you will find there is a lot of if you try to find out the difference it's easy it's very easy to find out lots of differences are there but what's the common thing is there any faith which does not try to relate to that spiritual dimension of existence any faith that which thinks that this life is the be all and end all of existence is there any faith to relate to that spiritual dimension of existence does not does not resort to repetition they go on repeating the same prayer day after day you go to the church you go to the mosque you go to any temple whatever may be the prayer it is a prayer which is relating to our spiritual dimension of existence and we go on repeating every day why because this repetition is the thing which creates as if a groove in our mind and not only that once the groove is formed a new sanskara is formed you get a tremendous force and intensity to go on practicing the thing which you have started believing because we find that the more the deeper the groove the more attachment we have for it the more liking we have for it anything in our life whatever forms a deep samskara we start liking it and you start liking this but is only the repetition the only factor for creating samskara no another important factor is there i need not repeat at all if at the very first moment when my guru is giving me instruction i have a tremendous focus forget everything and focus to that it is a focus which can create that groove immediately just the way with less pressure when you are just trying to make a mark on a surface it may take lot of repetitions to create a really a deep mark but if i apply a tremendous pressure and just drag scratch that surface with a tremendous pressure the same groove is formed just with with just one with just one attempt if i would have done with a less pressure i would have to go on repeating for so many times so same thing happens in the mind when your mind is focused and then some instruction comes you never forget that one repetition is sufficient and that way this to end up in the blind alley of life is something very important that tremendous uh, scarcity that uh, the what you say that situation that crisis gives you a intense focus just to give an example god forbid it need not it shouldn't happen that we find in our life it so many times happen that i am driving the car and it's not my fault because of someone's fault i was about to meet a terrible accident and just last moment i was saved nothing happened throughout the life you will never forget that moment that what all things happened step by step each and every sequence as if the time became slow everything was happening in slow motion you never forget the details of all the things which happened at that moment why the fear of death that crisis made me so much focused 
that there was no need for repetition. That one instance, I never forget for my life. There are so many instances in our life when at the moment of crisis, we are extremely focused and we find we never forget. And that way we will find this crisis in life is a blessing in disguise, but it, it gives a focus for which you have no preparation. It came automatically, maybe because of some negative reason, but that focus came. And at that moment, with that, when you had tremendously focused, the Lord may take it as the opportunity to strike you and to open up the portal. And that can really work wonder that immediately will find there's a huge transformation because that tremendous focus, which is required, you have already got it for some negative reason. And that can be immediately transformed into something positive and immediately you can find that a new dimension of existence is opening up and the overhauling of the personality happens and there's a transformation almost instantly. And that's the thing we will find when Krishna finds Arjuna at that moment of crisis where he's finding no way out. He's as if have ended up in the blind alley in the maze of his life's journey. And now Krishna is opening up the portal. What's the portal? The second line of that sloka. Gatasuna gatasunscha nanu shochanti pandita. The wise lament neither for the living nor the dead. So immediately a big question mark will come. Why? So this, that focus is bringing you to this big question mark. And we will find the Gita now will start. But why doesn't they lament? The answer we will find in the next locus. But just to give an opening up here, what that as in the last class we were indicating in this life, unless we relate to the spiritual dimension of our existence, life can really end up in that blind alley. We can find that we are as if standing in a precipice. In the life's journey, we were having a very joyous, adventurous climb in the life's journey. We were enjoying it. And suddenly find, we find the road has ended. We are at, almost at the end of a precipice. One more step, there is going to be great fall. And that's the time you have to look up for the another dimension of existence. And then when you can do that, and then suddenly you find there's no problem. All the problems have been solved. All the problems which you thought has no solution, you find it's just a passing phase. That you are the eternal soul. The Lord is eternal. Our relationship with the Lord is something eternal. It is the eternal companionship with the divine. That's why even in the Bible it's mentioned, worship the spirit by the spirit. It's a very, very important, significant word. Not as a physical being. That's what we do. When we go to the shrine, we worship just as a physical, my physical existence is concerned. And then all the prayers are something which is selfish. Lord, help me to get a good job. Let my son uh, or the daughter uh, get, a, uh, get a good bride or the bridegroom, whatever it may be. Let we flourish, let us have wealth. All has to do with this physical existence. 
when jesus is saying worship the spirit by the spirit you have to come out of this then no more lord god becomes the means and the world becomes the end lord becomes the means lord becomes the end as long as lord is the means god is the means world is the end that's pure materialism however it may appear to be a spirituality going to the shrine ringing bells praying at last for what a few more dollars if you a good position in life but everything is going to end in this bhagavad gita which is a part of mahabharata in some other section a wonderful shloka is there what's the shloka that says that this life is a game of chess where we are playing and who is our opponent mahakal time we are playing the chess and we all know who will win mahakal the time is going to win we are not going to win at last this physical form has to fall off however we may try with your so called the yoga which has been now uh what there is a distortion in the meaning of yoga yoga means some just uh, doing some physical exercises some breathing exercises to prolong your life to have a bit good quality of life so these are the moves actually these are not real ever these are the moves which we are just playing the moves which we are playing against the opponent which is mahakal that's what mahabharata is saying why we know very well who is going to win at last with all our attempts it is mahakal who is going to win but still we go on playing why not to win just to play one or two three moves extra nothing else maybe with all your development the average lifespan was 50 years it has increased to 70 years 80 years now science is bragging we can go up to 150 years but yes that's the limit i played a few moves extra at last with all this attempt this has to go i cannot continue cling to this physical existence so with all the prayers for the flourish for flourishing in this physical existence as such is just like pouring oblations in the ash no one pours oblation in the ash it's west have to pour oblations in the fire if we want to make the fire flare up we have to pour oblations in the fire but when the fire fire has extinguished it's all ash can i just by pouring oblation there again make the fire flare up no it's gone it's a huge west that's why they say in our scriptures there is a sanskrit shloka which means that that all this attempt to have material prosperity is just like pouring oblations in the ash at last they say this so many people say they they are constantly going from one place to the other that most probably a pure spirituality won't help let us go to such and such baba such and such siddha purusha why this disease will be cured many come and asks us we only ask are you going to live for eternity i may think i may understand that he has your disease may be cured but again you are just playing a few more extra does has that baba or that siddha purusha has the power to give you eternal life what are you chasing after it is just chasing after some patchworks 
a work cloth has torn, I have just a patchwork. How long will it last? At last, we end up in just a bundle of patchwork, but at last, that has to go. Unless and until we relate to that spiritual dimension of existence, there cannot be any answer to all those blind alleys of life. It may open up a little, but again you find the wall is there. There's no escape. There's only escape is that portal of our spiritual dimension should open up. And then this life becomes just a part of a journey. My, jar, my journey, this joyous journey of the soul in its eternal companionship with the divine is eternal. It's going on. And this was just a small phase. It need not totally engulf my life. It need not be just something which pervades my entire life. Let me keep it local. Let me know it is something temporary. And then your vision gets broadened. And on the broadened vision, we start building up our life. And that's the thing which we find Bhagavan at the very inception of the Gita is doing. Gata Suna. This all coming and going. It's a part of the game. It's just a phase, but it's not the end. Just a phase ends with your coming and going. A phase starts, a phase ends, but you are eternal. So when the divine plan is such, where such, uh, where a, a few has to go for the sake of the establishment of dharma, know it for certain, it is not really annihilation. It's not any uh, thing like called total deletion or annihilation. It's just the one who was not playing the role properly, who was supposed to play the role properly, was not playing the role properly, has been removed from the society. Just the way for our wrongdoings, we have to be in the jail. That doesn't mean we have died. The jails are called reformatory centers. We get chance for reformation. We may not be seen in the society, but it's a place for reformation. There are two things for our karma as a citizen. You may find at last your place in the parliament house as a responsible being. You have been that way, uh, what you say that transmitted from your so-called an ordinary citizen to something who is going to take care of the responsibilities or if I am not doing uh, the things properly, may end up in a reformatory center or in a rehabilitation center if I'm an addict. in So as per our karma, we end up in different places, but that doesn't mean that we, as we are not seen in the so-called supermarket where I used to regularly visit. That doesn't mean I have been annihilated. So it is just the question of coming and going relate to that spiritual dimension of existence. Then the fear that all these people who are my kith and kin, I'm going to kill them. I'm just going to just uh, enjoy the life which is smeared by the blood of my relatives. That question doesn't come. You are a part, an instrument in the divine drama. You are playing a role where all the persons as per their karma has to be shifted to some other planes of existence 
from where they again get chance. It's not that in our scriptures, there's no question of eternal heaven and eternal hell. They still get the chance because there is no life which is all bad. There's no life which is all good. It's a mixture. So if it's a mixture of good and bad, even if my life, the evil prevails, there are something which speaks of my goodness, innate goodness, which even the so-called holy man may not have. And that little innate goodness gives me the scope again to come out from all my negativities and again find myself established in the society in a new way. So that's the thing. There's an eternal scope, an eternal journey. There is no question of annihilation. It's only the surface which gets tarnished. The core remains the same. It is only for the washing of the surface. We have to be in various phases of life. So when you say you're killing, you're actually helping other to get rid of the tarnishes which has gathered up on the surface. But you can never kill the core. It is always there. So the wise never lament for the living or for the dead. Because it's just a phase. Nanu shochanti pandita. The word pandita itself indicates here. Though Bhagavan is not directly speaking of the spiritual dimension of our existence. He's just saying the wise never lament, neither for the living nor for the dead. But in Sanskrit, when we translate from Sanskrit to English, there is a limitation. We cannot exactly translate. So Pandita, if we translate as a learned person, we will miss the goal. We will find that Bhagavan has already indicated the spiritual dimension of existence by the word Pandita. The word Pandita it doesn't mean a simply learned person. It doesn't mean just a mere wise man. It means one who has the knowledge of Panda. Panda means Atman. The conscious principle who is the witness of all the happenings of life. So the one who is the witness, the conscious principle, he is the Panda. The one who has the knowledge of that. The first hand knowledge, the realization who has realized the core of his being, which is the conscious principle, which is eternal. The intelligent principle, which is eternal. So that, the one who has knowledge of that, he never uh, laments for the living or for the dead. So you will find that though uh, Bhagavan is saying that the wise man never laments and we may find that there is some gap in understanding why he doesn't lament, the Lord is not saying. He has actually said it by indicating the word Pandita. So as we say, that, that's why we have to read between the lines. When we are studying a scripture, which is in the language, which is we are not using it in our day-to-day life, we miss so many points. Actually, this word itself is so potent. The one who has the knowledge of Panda. This Panda Vishaya Jnana is the Pandita. The one who has the Atma Vishaya Buddhi. That is the Panda. The Panda is Atma Vishaya Buddhi. The one who has it is Pandita. So if you can relate to that dimension of existence, there's no question for all the uh, lamentation you're going through. So come out of it. And now in the 12th sloka, we will find that what Bhagavan is becoming more clearer by his word. What he's saying, Natve Vahang Jatu Nasan Natvang neme janadhipa, na chaiva, na bhavishyama, sarve 
वयमत परम न तू एव अहंग जातु नासंग न त्वेवाहंग जातु नासंग इज न तू एव अहंग जातु नासंग व्हाट इट स्पीक्स ऑफ देयर इज देयर वाज नो टाइम व्हेन यू डिडंट एग्जिस्ट नो टाइम न तू एव अहम जातु नासंग देयर वाज नो टाइम व्हेन व्हेन आई व्हेन आई डिड नॉट एग्जिस्ट अहम मींस आई सो भगवान इज सेइंग देयर वाज नो टाइम व्हेन आई नेवर एग्जिस्टेड भविष्यामी so that's the thing when in our scripture they say that you are sat so again the proper translation is required what sat means we just translate it as truth now you will see if you ask what in sanskrit the truth means the truth in sanskrit sat the word sat means that which is trikal avadhita that alone is satya trikala vadita whose existence is not interrupted by any phase of time trikala past present future atit vartaman anagata or bhavishya these are three phases of time the thing whose existence is not interrupted by any phase of time past present and future is sat so as a physical existence i am not sat i was born at certain point of time i go through the changes six changes jayate asti vardhate viparinamate apakshiyate nasti we are born we exist for some time we grow and then a time comes in the middle age we start transforming the growth has stopped then the decay process ensues and then there is death the end so we were born at certain point of time we are going to die at certain point front of time as our psychophysical existence is concerned and also when we are existing there is a constant change so here bhagwan the first thing he is saying he is trying to say that you are sat sat doesn't mean an attribute of that uh, ultimate reality it is a negation of the fact that you are not something which is temporary that as a psychophysical being i was born at certain point for of time but that's not the reality as the spirit as the soul as the conscious principle i was through eternity i will be so that's the thing the god is indicating so so what's that we should that this life with all its ups and downs once you know that that nothing is going to annihilate you then this life with all its challenges can become a joyous right you may say how after all suffering is suffering no once you know there is no annihilation for you it actually becomes an adventure it is no more suffering you may say how just to give a common example the children like to go to this amusement parks why children even as an elderly person 
Sometimes we also become like a child in the amusement park. We are on the roller coaster ride. It gives a tremendous thrill. But for what the thrill? It is taking you suddenly almost 90 degrees on the top and again throwing you almost 90 degrees on the bottom. It is taking you in a curvature which can almost throw you out. You feel the drag and you get the thrill. That's constant danger. But then why the thrill, that happiness, that adventure? Because you know all the measures has been taken in such a way, there's a seat belt and all, that you are not going to die. Nothing is going to happen to you. So all those perils become the cause of joy. You pay and go to enjoy it. So once we know this life is a roller coaster drive, it has its perils, but it is not going to annihilate me. Immediately it becomes an adventure. It's no more a danger. It's no more a question of being afraid of. And now I know I live through eternity. It happened so many times in the life of Swami Vivekananda. When he went to America, he found people are all running. So busy, always running. He was supposed to catch one ferry. But Swamiji had his, you know, his way of walking was like an emperor. Very slow gets, he will walk. Because he's in his own contemplation. Now all the devotees who were accompanying him, they found that the time was near to catch the ferry. So they told Swamiji, we have to walk a bit fast. Why? Otherwise we will miss the ferry. And then Swamiji asked, when is the next ferry? Well, it's about one hour later. Okay, if we miss it, we can catch that. And then immediately out of frustration, one of the devotees told, Swami, you have no sense of time. And Swamiji's reply was wonderful. You live in time, I live in eternity. (laughs) So you live in time, I live in eternity. Why is that so hurry? Nothing we are going to miss. Enjoy the ride. When Swami Vivekananda was delivering lecture in the West, at that time there was another famous orator. He was an agnostic. He had no belief in after life. And he's one of the very common quotation words, the common off-quoted words which he used to speak again and again, is that this life is an orange. And your aim should be to squeeze it to the last drop. Enjoy it. If you have an orange, squeeze it to the last drop. Why go on thinking, wasting your time, whether we have some future and uh, how should I live the life so that uh, I can continue in the future? These are all, we don't know anything about it. Forget about it. The orange which you have this life, squeeze it to the last drop. Enjoy it. And this angers all once met Swamiji. And when Swamiji told, very interesting thing, my aim is also the same, to enjoy the orange till its last drop, to squeeze it to the last drop. But you know, what's the, pro- what's the issue with you? You also have the same aim, but you cannot do it. You are in a hurry. You don't have time to squeeze it to the last drop. I know I live in eternity. I can go on squeezing. <laughs> so I can squeeze it to the last drop. Though our goal is the same, but you can never do. Happiness is the goal of all of us. 
But unless you are aware of your eternity, that happiness remains as a goal, it always eludes us. We can never reach it. All our effort to be happy is just like climbing up a ladder. We place a ladder in a wall to climb up so that we can reach the fruit laden, ripe fruit laden, the mango laden tree. And hurriedly we place a ladder on the wall and climb up to find that I have chosen the wrong wall. There was another wall on which if I would have have placed my ladder, I would have got the mangoes. I have placed my ladder on the wrong wall and I find that the mangoes are far away. I have no reach for it. The same effort. It's not the question of effort. In our life, so much effort. We go on giving for the things which we never get, that happiness. Why? Because the effort which a spiritual person is uh, utilizing, the same effort most probably the worldly person is also expending, the same effort he's doing. But at last we find it is far is Why? The wall you have chosen is the wrong wall. The if in our life, the paradigm, the orientation, that itself is not correct. All our efforts go west. So we have to choose the correct one. And that's the thing, unless we have the awareness of the spiritual dimension of existence, know it for certain. It is just a simple yes, no, multiple choice question. If you don't have, life is something which today or tomorrow going to end up in blind alley. It's never with all, all my good qualities. Arjuna had all the good qualities. It's never going to give you the answer. So Bhagavan is doing the first thing, is opening up that portal. Relate to that dimension, that you are the soul, eternal. That's what all the avatars says. Even in the Bible, the Jesus is saying, I have come to bring you everlasting life. That's what they come for, to bring you everlasting life. And what that everlasting life is, in the words of Mr. Eckhart, one of the most renowned mystic, Christian mystic of the medieval ages. The mystics all speak on the same language. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, Shekhane, when you reach that realization, Shop Shialer Akra. Shial means fox. In the forest, if you go and you will find a very interesting thing, if one fox howls, immediately all the fox will start howling as if acknowledging the one who has howled first. So similarly, the mystics are like that fox. If one says something, as per our doctrines and dogmas are concerned, we all are having varied opinions. But the mystics of all the religion, they are those fox. If one howls, all will say, yes, I understand. They all howl, they will all acknowledge. And that's why Ramakrishna used to say, Shekhane, when you reach there, shop share, all the fox howls in the same manner in acknowledgement to the howl which they hear. So Mr. Eckhart is a mystic where we all, even as a Vedanta, we can howl in the same manner. What he's saying, it is deliverance from time to eternal now. Wonderful word. That everlasting life is what? As long in the life we find there is past, present, future. Know it for certain that never speaks of your real existence. It speaks of constant change. The soul, when you can relate to that, there is no change. 
that eternity without any change, that is always in present, eternal now. That eternal now, we will say, does it have any Sanskrit equivalent? Yes. The word Purana speaks of eternal now. We say Purana means all those scriptures. No, the word Purana means Pura Api Navaiva. That which is old, but never aging. Ever, sorry, ever aging, never old. It's aging. It's, it's as with the passage of time, there's no change. And if there is no change, the concept of time falls off. The concept of time comes from change. If nothing is changing, if everything is just as it is, the concept of time falls off. So Purana is the eternal now. The soul is the eternal now. So it is a deliverance from time to eternal now. That's the word which Mr. Eckhart is using. And that's the thing Lord Krishna here is speaking of. That what? Let us read this look again. Natvevahang jatunasan natvang neme janadhipa. That if there was no time where I did not exist, the God didn't exist. There was no time where all this, what you're seeing, the entire creation, that didn't exist. Nor there will be a time it will cease to exist. Na chaiva na bhavishyama sarve vayamata param. So this is that's joyous ride. So, which so Krishna is indicating that life, don't relate to it as, a, as something which is passing. It is in the eternal now. Just as a witness, you're in the eternal now. All the change is the thing which you are witnessing. They are not you. If you are in the stream, drenching there, it can be a horrible experience. But sitting by the side of the river and watching the flow going on without any change in you, the change is in the river. That's the thing which you can enjoy. So come out from this delusion of the, by identifying yourself with the flow, be out of the flow, witness it, and you will enjoy it just the way you enjoy a party, a band party passing by the street, sitting on your balcony, enjoy. You can enjoy the life just the same way as if a band party is passing down the street. And you enjoy. It comes, it goes. Just the time being it was there as a witness, I go on enjoying it without getting attached to it. And once we get identified with our true nature, then only we can realize that time is an illusion. The only reality is eternity. Time is an illusion. Eternity is the reality. So that's the thing which Bhagavan is indicating to Arjuna, that relate to that. And you will find all the crisis which you are facing is of no use. They will simply fall off. Dehi knows me, the 13th, let us enter to the next sloka. Dehi knows me, yatha dehe, kaumarang yovanang jara, tatha dehantar praptir, Dehina. There is someone within the Deha. He is the Dehina. Again, in the language of St. Paul, the Christ, what he says, not I, not I, but Christ 
liveth, liveth in me. The one who is living, the core of your being, he is the Lord, Paramatma. See, he is the Dehina. See, in this, this body is the temple because it enshrines the Lord within. So, don't neglect the body that, that uh, just as something trash. Whatever may be the reason, the Lord has enshrined there. So it is a temple. It's a place of his worship. So in this temple, take it as that. So when that's why when Sister Nivedita came to India, she was amazed at the sight of one thing, that this is a country where everything is sacred. That generally the idea is to take shower is to clean the body, to beautify yourself. And in India, we find that people are just taking deep in the Ganges, uttering the mantras, even at taking a deep ease, something sacred. It's not just to beautify your this physical body, just to clean it. It's a spiritual act because the Lord is enshrined. This is the temple. And as a way, the place where the Lord is, it has to be kept clean. So I clean it, not with the sense of this cleaning the body. It's a cleaning the temple where the Lord is enshrined. So nothing remains secular. Everything becomes spiritual. Even your day-to-day -day act, every action becomes spiritual. The moment I relate to that spiritual dimension of my existence, which is the core of my being, that's the Dehina, seated in the core of my heart. So in this body, the Dehina, he passes through the various stages. Kaumarang, Yovanang, Jara. I was young. I was a kid. Then I was a teenager, a toddler, the kid, the teenager, the young man, the middle-aged person, and then the old age comes. So all these stages we are passing through, the one who is witnessing, he knows that it is the same, that the one who is witnessing, there is no change for him. The I within me, which, has, which was the same I in that small child, as I have grown through these various stages of life, I never feel that the I have changed. The I who was that young man is the same I who am a middle-aged person. The same I is going to be an old person. The same I, that this, this sense of I, which is emanating from within you, which is the aparakshanubhuti, it doesn't need any support to be aware of your I, just to see anything else in the world. I have to use my senses, my eyes, ears, nose, taste, uh, touch, all these senses are needed to experience anything. But to experience that I, no senses are required. It is something, a first-hand experience. I can doubt the existence of anything. If the human being can make a robot which behaves just like a human being, and just by its side, there is another real human being. I am not sure which is the robot, which is the human being. I cannot be sure of anything, but can you doubt the I which is emanating from within you? No one can doubt. The doubter of the self is the self. The one who says there is no self, who is saying that? That is the self. So that's the Dehina. So that's the thing is going through the experience. That never changes. Similarly, when you leave this body, it is just like throwing off a torn out garment, you still exist. 
There is no end to you. So here in this sloka, we find another tenet of the Vedic scripture is shining forth. That is Dehantara Prapti. Not death, Deha Antara Prapti. From one body to another body. So it speaks of reincarnation. So as in this body we are going through the changes, after death we again reincarnate in another body and again we get a scope to go through this life journey to gather sufficient experience to at last be spiritually illumined. So now as for this Dehantara, there is a lot of questions. Nowadays, of course, we find there is this very strong, uh, even within the universities, there are some parapsychology, there's the branches of psychology, which have started experimenting. Scientific research is on there, on this past birth, on our past existence. But there, there are many to content to the fact that there is no past life. The first such opposition is, if I have past life, why don't I remember? So even we will find in our scripture, they say that, do you remember your childhood? So were you not existing as a child? You must, let us forget about childhood. That sometimes we say that if I cannot remember my past, why to, how to believe that the past is building my life? The thing which I don't remember, how can it, it have consequence on my present? We say that karma phala, because of the past it is happening. If I don't remember what has happened, how can it have a consequence in my present? So even a small child came here, we still remember in one of the spiritual retreat and was asking that question. That the thing which I don't remember, the past, what has happened? How can it have some consequence on me at present? So suddenly that idea came. So we, we said the, so I replied that just 10 days back, what you had in your lunch, so can you see it's impossible. He was almost, so I don't know if I forget. So do you feel that what you had in your lunch is today, today what you are, has it any effect on you? Has it already nourished you? Has it already built up a few more cells? If you eat a junk food, is it going to have an effect on you? Though you may forget what junk you have eaten. If you eat some nourishing food, is it going to have, you have forgotten what you have eaten. Is it going to not, is it not going to have some effect in the future? So it in no way entails that as we don't remember, so it has no consequence. Why don't we remember our past? To give a common example. Suppose in a room, in a dark room with a projector, you are projecting something on the screen in front of you. And suddenly someone comes and opens all the doors and windows. Can you see anything what's being projected? No. The outside light comes and all the thing which was projected is now shadowed. The light comes and overwhelms it. So in our life, the regression of the past is possible. It has been found that when in our spiritual journey, the more we become calm, our mind is no more engaged in the immediate necessaries of life. We can somehow be detached. There is something called past regression. Nowadays, even through hypnosis, it can be done. 
you have been calmed down through hypnosis, you start regressing the past and the past becomes visible. It is just like the projector in the dark room. Our present life is just like with all our senses open, all the windows are open. The lights are flashing in on the conscious mind of with all the immediacies of concerns of your present existence. As long as the conscious mind is flashed with the lights which are coming through the portals of your five senses, the subconscious mind is projecting your past. It becomes invisible. The more you become calm, the more you can restrict your senses, calm down your mind. The past regression in past is possible. And that's why you will find in Buddha Avatar, just before the realization, all the past started revealing. And from there, all the stories of Jataka stories came. The past was revealed. And that's the experience of any soul who is going through that spiritual journey, illumination. So even, and uh, it's not that the idea of reincarnation was, is only in the Oriental religion. In Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Sikhism, we find it was there even in the Abrahamic religion. It's, it's there. So we will come to it. Just uh, before that, uh, we will just relate another important thing that uh, there's an objection that the, uh, we have started that with the, all the biological discoveries, we have started saying that it is a genetical transmission which speaks of that new life. Those experiments are so that's so detailed that how come there may be something where is transmigrating? We don't find any evidence. So just give a common example. I will give an example from one of a very, very, uh, one of the best selling books. Now, even, even in genetics, there is a new branch called epigenetics. Till now, we believe that genes cannot be changed. The genes determines our behavior. But now they have, through experiment, it has been found out, your behavior, your orientation, the environment which you are growing up, they all determine, they all are a factor which is constantly mutating, modifying your genes. There's a constant change going on. It's not that the gene is the ultimate factor. So all these environmental factors are like transmission. To give an example, if I say, if we just take a small a TV, a child is watching the TV, all the picture which is being projected in the TV screen, and I ask the child from where this picture is coming, the child is intelligent enough. He starts going behind the TV, finds the cable, and just following the cable, at last he finds one of the cables connected with the antenna. And at last he ends up in the antenna. The antenna is like the brain, our brain. And the child says, yes, this antenna is from where all this picture is coming. He's a quite intelligent child. Like the science with all its intelligence is saying from the brain, everything is coming. But is it from the antenna that all you are getting? No, if the TV breaks, if a picture, if the TV breaks or uh, it's no more working, I guess go purchase a new TV and on it, the same picture comes again. 
Now the child is really bewildered. How come the same picture, this, the, which it was something he thought is coming from behind the TV or at the most from the antenna, everything has been changed. The same picture, how it comes. So similarly, through the biological transmission, the transmission of the genes, we do have this physical body. But on that inhabits the mind based on... Now, even a very nice, they say that even in the TV, you will find the channel in which you are watching. If you close the TV and again on it, it will on in that channel. It will get, uh, that channel will get on the channel in which you are watching. So even in Bhagavad Gita, much later it will come that at the time of death, what you think that you become in the next life. So the channel in which you were on, the same channel will open up. So your thoughts, that's the trans that is coming from what? From a transmission center. The channel is being transmitted from a transmission. It is always on. It is the TV, which is like the body, which has to be connected to that transmission center. And when which transmission center will be connected? As per our inclinations, the likings in the last birth. So just in the TV, we speaks of the transmission, the electromagnetic transmission, which without which, without the transmission sector, the TV is just a dead matter. It cannot project all those pictures. Similarly, this physical body is from the biological transmission, but the mind which inhabits it is just like a transmission. Mind is non-local. Mind has no, no locality. The brain is within our head, but the mind is non-local. And it is our sanskara, which is being as if stored in that non-local mind. And accordingly, as per our inclinations, we go and get tuned up in a body where all those desires will find expression. So in the uh, uh, book called Biology of Belief, it's a book on epigenetics. It's a new branch of genetics. So there in the epilogue, this uh, uh, analogy has been given that, that even in, in, they are asserting that the life doesn't ends with this, the death of this body. It's just like the way you buy a new TV and you connect to the, what you say, the channel in which you are watching. Again, the same picture comes. So the life also that way, this biological transmission is not denied, but that in no way, this biological transmission never can say that there is no something, there is nothing, something called transmigration. As the Shukshma Sharira, as the mind, we do exist. And that continues birth after birth. As per our tendencies, as per our likings, we choose the body. We are not, we won't say choose, we are gravitated to that body. Uh, just the way the transmission is there everywhere. Moment you tune your radio or your TV, the transmission immediately finds a channel to enter there. The transmission hasn't himself chosen. It is the moment you tune, it is bound to be channelized through that. Similarly, we are almost gravitated to that circumstances, to that body, to which we are tuned. Our sanskaras has tuned us. We are gravitated by the circumstances, our desires, our sanskaras gravitate us to that circumstance. And we find in ourselves in a new body, new situation, new family conditions. So, that's the idea of Dehantar. It's a vast subject to be studied. 
and it's not that only in this our oriental religions that hinduism buddhism jainism and sikhism it is there we will find it in all the religions in people i can just give you a few uh, examples quotations the sufi mystic as again we will say that in all the religion the mystics always speak alike so here also in islam the sufi mystic the famous sufi mystic molana jalaluddin rumi there's a famous poem where he is declaring i died out of the stone and i became a plant i died out of the plant and became an animal i died out of the animal and became a man now what he's saying is interesting why then should i fear to die when did i grow less by dying i have always evolved by dying so what's the fear in dying we evolved death is a, death is a scope for evolution i shall die out of man and shall become an angel such a wonderful point just see the same idea of dehantar prapti is finding expression even in the poems of sufi mystic when jesus is indicating to others that john the baptist is actually the reincarnation of prophet elijah he is speaking of reincarnation it is a prophet elijah who is been born as john the baptist it's indicated a sin much later in the medieval ages a church formed a syndicate to denounce reincarnation but this idea was there even in the old testament if you it's not only in christianity even if you go to the jew tradition where origen one of the, one of the learned fathers of the original christian he is in the old testament what is saying every man receives a body <coughs> for himself according to his deserts in former lives very specific is <coughs> indicating in the solomon's book of wisdom we find it's mentioned to be born in sound body with sound limbs is a reward of our virtues of the past lives so this idea of reincarnation was there and that's being spoken of in this shloka this in this joyous ride which we are going through eternity we never die <clears throat> we are just from one carriage we are taking we are just riding to the other carriage but we continue so thus we find bhagavan krishna has started opening up this portal of our infinite existence in front of arjuna to bring him out of the dilemma in which he was in and it will continue in this line god has to implant this idea in his mind so from various angles we will speak of the same truth in various ways we will continue again with a discussion with the succeeding sikh logas in the next class thank you all namaskars